Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com with over 26 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips. Shutterstock helps you take your creative projects to the next level. For 30% off your new account, go to Shutterstock.com and use the offer code TWIP6. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP6. This week on TWIP, the Chicago Sun-Times fires its entire photography staff, a rock band enables photographers to get the shot, but for a price, plus our listener Q&A and Picks of the Week, plus a discussion with Baltimore-based photographer J.M. Giordano. It's Wednesday, June 5th, 2013, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me on this week's show to talk about some really interesting news of the week are Mr. Doug Kay and Joseph Lenaski. Hey, guys. How you doing? How you doing, Frederick? Greetings. Joseph. All right. Let's, uh, Joseph, what, what's going on in your neck of the woods up there? In the, you're in the woods, right? You're chopping wood, making fires, building log cabins. What's going on? All except the last one there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not building the log cabins? <laughs> no log cabins, but actually chopping wood, making fire. Although not now, it's practically summer here. It's, uh, yeah. God, it's only 90 degrees outside today. But yeah, things are going good up here in little old Ashland. It's, uh, weather's gone warm. It's absolutely beautiful. Just working away. New studios earning its keep. So these are all good things. Very good. Well, congratulations and uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you, sir. And uh, speaking of places that are semi-remote, Doug Kay, you're you're about to jump on a plane in a few hours here and head to parts unknown, right? That's right. In uh, 12 hours, I'll be on a plane to Turkey because that's where all the problems are. And <laughs> when there's a problem, they need me. <laughs> so, you're, Doug, Doug, you're like Dennis Rodman going to North Korea, right? You're going to go <laughs> there right. and be our ambassador? <laughs> That's right. They, they they asked for me specifically because of my my basketball skills. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I hear you. So no, so uh, and then you you're taking what you like you said before you're taking just your small camera with you, right? Yeah, I'm excited about that. I got my bag. My my carry on airplane bag is smaller than it's ever been, and it's got my it's got an NEX six four lenses, a Mac Air, an iPad, everything I need for for 15 hours on airplanes, and I love it. I mean, wow. it, the whole thing is tiny. You, you still have that uh, that that purse bag thing that That's you should... the man purse, right? Yeah, my <laughs> my my Billingham, whatever it's called, Hadley bag. Yeah, it's yes. great. I love yeah, it. It's made by Coach, right? It feels like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, it and it costs like it too. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, that's a cool bag. Cool, man. Yeah. I'm, are you going to post live while you're out there? Or are you going to try? There's there's pretty good internet connectivity in Turkey, so. Um, uh, at the very least, I'll be tweeting because all of my friends and family want to know what's happening with the politics and the uh, uh, all that stuff. So I'll be tweeting and you know, I'll be putting up pictures when I can. Cool. Looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. All right. Uh, for the listeners, just quickly, <clears throat> we over the, the last month, we ran the This Week in Photo Landscape and Nature Photography Contest. And man, oh, man, you folks like photography, apparently. <laughs> we had over 10,000 entries to that to that contest. 
So um, the judging is going to take place over the next two weeks, and it's actually interesting. So it's not just me like going through these images. It's actually crowdsourced. So you guys can go into that page. The link will be on the page for, for the last four episodes, including this episode, I believe. Um, so you can click over to the contest, and you can vote on the images that you think should win. And then what's going to happen is the the winners will bubble up to the top and then we will choose the winner amongst the, the you know basically the the cream of the crop that you guys bubble up to the top so definitely check it out and then as soon as we judge that one um we're going to launch another one so it was going to be like tarzan swinging from contest to contest as we <laughs> as we roll these contests so and also the uh speaking of contests we're doing a transporter giveaway thingy so if you go to the the blog post for this episode or the last episode You'll see a little form on thisweekinphoto.com on the, the episode page, and you can enter the contest with just your Facebook. Just like click a button, and boom, you're in, and you're, you'll win a transporter. You know, one of like, those, uh, like the thing on Star Trek? Not exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wish. We need that technology. Yeah. No. It's kind of like that, but only it only moves uh, electrons around, so oh. no atoms. All right. All right, guys, let's jump into the show. The bulk of the show, as listeners probably know already before we even dive in, well, they know because it did in the intro, but this, uh, this show is all about the um, Sh- Chicago Sun-Times and all that stuff that happened over there. Basically, they laid off their entire photography staff. So we're going to talk about that. Before we do that, I wanna, we're going to start sort of putting our weight as much as we can behind this effort. Um, the EFF, or the Electronic Frontier Foundation, is gearing up to fight a patent troll, and that's a company called Personal Audio LLC, and they are, they've actually filed five lawsuits and counting against podcasters. They're starting with the big guys like CBS and NBC, and they're sending demand letters. Basically, they're trying to say, hey, you're using this technology that we patented, um, that we, we're not using, but we're, we patented way back in the Stone Ages, and pay us, you know, so... The net effect of that is it will affect, if they win, it will affect all podcasts, you know, in, including this one. So the, there, we'll put how you can help support the EFF effort in the in the blog post for this episode. But essentially, I'm going to read this to you. You can prove either in court or at the patent office that the claimed invention by personal audio was not new or that it was obvious. So that's basically you have to prove prior art and all that stuff. Um, secondly, you can contribute money to the cause and they have a, we'll put a link to the, to the page on EFF.org where you can donate. So that, that's basically it. So we don't generally do this stuff a lot where we get behind these sort of, we don't try, Twip doesn't try to be in the news, but we're being dragged into the news <laughs> with this one, by virtue of the fact that we are a podcast and this, this patent troll is trying to uh, extort money out of podcasters. So anyway. So are they basically saying that they invented podcasting and they have a patent on Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You can read the it's it's long, but yeah, wow. it's, it's basically that. So if they win, they'll own podcasting. <laughs> I, I remember a few years ago when these guys bought the patent, they bought the company that held the patent. And it was obviously it was going to be a lot of trouble and mm-hmm. turn into something like this. And uh, <laughs> if they uh, win, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my Wednesday nights, you know, because Twip certainly won't be happening if they win this thing. <laughs> So. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's nasty. It's really nasty. You know, the my former day job was with the Conversations Network, and we sent them a bunch of money 
for this. I think it's a very important thing. Oh, geez. Yeah, this is this is crazy. Well, you know, TWIP, uh, in either case, I'm, I'm kidding about TWIP going away. TWIP will go on in some form, even if they do win, because there's always YouTube and there's, you know, different things that we can use. But we like podcasting because it's easy. All right. Um, all right, guys, before we continue, I want to uh, thank our sponsor. The sponsor of this week's episode of This Week in Photo is Squarespace.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, or online store. Since its platform upgrade last fall, Squarespace just keeps rolling out new product features, integrations, and templates. And to make sure you get the most from their recent innovation, Squarespace has 24-7 support providing live chat during the week and extremely fast email support throughout the day and night. And with plans starting as low as $8 a month for software and hosting, Squarespace is a real value. Now, Squarespace is exceptionally well-designed. They've got an award-winning design team who regularly adds smart new features and amazing new design templates. For example, they just added a new calendar feature called Events or the Events Collection that allows you to share schedule updates like store sales events or band tour dates, that sort of thing. They even just released a beautiful new template called Momentum, which has cinematic full bleed imagery. So it bleeds off to the edge of the browser. Um, It's perfect for photographers and designers who want to showcase their big, beautiful images. Now, Squarespace is fast and easy to use. Everything about Squarespace is drag and drop. You just drag and drop your images in there and you're off and away. Their page builder tool, they call that the layout engine, and enables you to customize pages in seconds by adding blocks of content like photos, videos, text, social media content, and then as you go, you preview the layout as you're going. So it's live. It's not like you're designing code and then you preview in another window. You're building live on the page. It's really fun. In just a few clicks, their style editor tool allows the selection of fonts, colors, different layouts. You can customize the templates, make them uniquely yours. You can tailor make this stuff so that it fits your goals for your design. Now, Squarespace Commerce provides a powerful and flexible e-commerce backend. It's integrated with every Squarespace template, so they allow sales for both physical and digital goods. For example, you can sell CDs, MP3s, hardcover books, or even eBooks. And Squarespace gives you and your website the this the power to display your image on any device that's looking at it. So they've got the best mobile experience. They've been they've developed templates with responsive designs, which means your site automatically restructures itself to look great on any device, whether it's a smartphone, a tablet, or a computer. It goes on and on. You can publish to and from your social media networks. Um, you can refresh your content from places that you post on, like say Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Google+, LinkedIn. You can hook all those accounts into your Squarespace site. So as you post there, all that stuff shows up on your website as well. So post once and you don't have to redo your work. They integrate all your website needs into one platform. That's domains, design, development, commerce, 
hosting. Plus, it's all covered in this umbrella of 24-7 support. So if you'd like a free trial of Squarespace.com, you can sign up for a free account. You don't need a credit card. Just try it out and start building your website. Then if you decide to purchase it, use the offer code TWIP6 and get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts. This includes monthly and annual plans. And don't forget about the free domain registrations for annual plan customer subscriptions. At squarespace.com, use the offer code TWIP6. Squarespace is everything you need to create an exceptional website. All right, guys, let's jump into the news. Like I said before, the Chicago Sun-Times, you guys have seen this story. Let me just read it so the folks that may not have heard of this are up to speed. So essentially it says, last week the Chicago Sun-Times fired its entire photo staff. Fired them. 28 full-time staffers were let go without warning after a short meeting. And if you're in Silicon Valley, you know how that goes, right? So you get called in and HR is there and you're filling up a box with your personal effects. And so the the guy that did this was, his name is Tim Tim Knight and he's the publisher and he saw he did a, a similar move, basically cutting the, the photo staff at a company called Newsday or a, new, a newspaper called Newsday, also in New York or in New York in 2008. And uh, he was a publisher, publisher there and he fired 20 photographers off of that staff. So he's going on this rampage with a with a tomahawk cutting photo organizations. So this you know, this story hit home for a lot of people for a number of reasons. One reason is you know, A, is being a photojournalist and aspiring to work at a newspaper and being Jimmy Olsen, is that even is that even viable these days to because he fired them and said, Okay, now all the reporters, you guys grab your iPhones. We're gonna we're gonna give you some mandatory training on iPhone photography basics and you guys are gonna become the photographers. Does that mean iPhone photography and and just kind of getting some the picture from a novice sort of standpoint is that good enough these days so it just goes on and on Doug I want to throw it to you first what what does this mean from the standpoint of the the profession of photojournalism going away well that's that's the toughest part of this I think it's certainly in trouble uh, if you le- read a lot of the things that we've got here in the show notes which I think will, will show up uh, online mm-hmm. uh, there have been some really good things written about it. Tom Hogan in particular, I think, wrote a really nice column about it. Um, The fact is that the world is changing. Um, And, you know, Newsday was an example a number of years ago. But I I thought about this, and I I thought I would take somewhat of a contrarian position um, not to go out and defend uh, the photographers and say what a horrible thing it was and why they should be, you know, reinstated or anything like that. But you know, the Chicago Sun-Times, you know, some point they laid off all their linotype operators, too. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're, and the hard copy paper is going to die at some point. We all know that. It's just a matter of time. So, um, Life Magazine, what happened, you know, what's happened there? You know, it's amazing that, that you know. So you're saying this is, this, is a, this is evolution. It's, well, it's it is. inevitable, the writing's it, on the wall. Well, we, to some extent, the, the question is, what's the market, right? right? Is there a market for quality photojournalism? Uh, or is the public taste becoming so dumbed down that, you know, a million, you know, a million iPhone pictures being able to get the one or two lucky ones is good enough as opposed to a professional photojournalist who really knows how to cover a story in depth? Um, I think it doesn't look good. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think I don't see that the market's there to support, you know, certainly that number of photojournalists at a regional paper. 
Joseph, is are we in the age of of good enough? You know, it's just just hmm. as long as you get something and we can print it, ev- everyone's happy. Well, sadly, largely we are in that age, but. I think, that, but it's you, at the end of the day, still it's still about producing content, right? Reporting on the news, writing words, and showing pictures that tell the story of what's happening in the world around us. And those pictures are, again, that's what I said before. Those pictures are an incredibly powerful part of that story. That's what gets people to read the article. It's not the article itself. You, know, you need to have a headline and a good picture that grabs your attention, and hopefully a picture that tells the story and tells the story truthfully and honestly. You know, it's it's not just the quality of a photo. It's all the ethics behind it, who, you know, the, how the photographer behaves in the situation, how they go about getting the image and what they're showing and what they're not showing and everything else. There's a lot more, more to it than learning how to use an iPhone. Yeah. Well, what about that? So let's, let's flip it and take it from another perspective. People are doing some amazing work with iPhones these days, right? I mean, I and we're, we're only on iPhone 5, and you know, presumably there's a number after 5, right? So, you know, presumably this stuff is only going to get better. These, these portable devices, we're at the beginning of this cycle. What if, and, you know, no disrespect to photographers all over the world, I am one of them, but what if these reporters get good enough with their iPhones to start doing really good work with them. And they start learning the craft of photography and photojournalism and storytelling and becoming that multimediographer that we talk about on the show a lot using their phones. What, what if that's the direction it goes in? You know, notwithstanding the newspaper going away. Doug, what, what do you think? Is that possible? Yeah, I I think the, the trend, I, I think, you know, if you take 25 photographers and you replace them with 25 reporters, you're going to have a lot of problems. You're not going to get anywhere near the quality uh, that you would want, regardless of the quality of the camera. I mean, iPhone is a totally adequate camera for a lot of this stuff, but that doesn't mean that it's in the hands of a qualified person. I think the trend is more towards the crowdsourcing images, where you have 10,000 people taking pictures of something like the Boston bombing, uh, or thinking of Turkey, as I am, uh, uh, Taksim Square, uh, you know, there's a story, for those of us who are following it, the woman in the red dress, it's a big deal, and now there are many images surfacing of the woman in the red dress who was tear-gassed by the police there. Um, that, I think, is the ultimate challenge. I think the, the 25 reporters with iPhones is somewhat temporary. Yeah. Joseph, what, what about you? Is 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 the iPhone and, and capturing the story and and molding reporters into more of storytellers with visual and audio, is that is that the direction things need to go? Well, I don't know if that's the direction it needs to go, but it seems to be that that's at least where this newspaper thinks it is going. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to discount the ability of a journalist to take a good picture, and clearly the, the equipment can take a pretty darn good image, right? Obviously, we know that you can get a really good image with the iPhone, mm-hmm. but I go back to what I was saying earlier, it's, it's more than that. It's not just about technical skills or the ability to handle a or the quality, rather, of a big DSLR versus a an iPhone. It's more about knowing how to tell the story through that, that single image and capturing that image in the best way possible. But does the public care about that? I mean, you look at you look at YouTube, and some of the most popular videos on there are you know three minutes long, and they are you know not artistic. Let's just say that, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, is, is has the public been primed that? You know, this sort of cinema verite, every man's journalism type look 
is 2013 and beyond and the artisanship of like life magazine and, 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 you know, national geographic and those sort of things, that is your dad stuff. You know, now we're in the, today it's all sort of grungy and, you know, pants hanging down around your, your butt, that kind of thing. At the end of the day, it's still about capturing eyeballs, right? Getting sales, getting people to click on the article or pick that newspaper up off of the, off the news rack when it's next to 20 others that are, have the same headline story. And if you're looking at, let's say you walk up to newsstand and there's say, 10 newspapers there, all covering the same major event that happened yesterday, which one are you going to grab? They've all got basically the same crowdsourced kind of cruddy photos on them, but then there's one publication who has actually kept their newspaper photographer, kept their professionals, and have a really good, really compelling image on the front page. Which one are you going to grab? I mean, yeah, the compelling one, but but I care about that. But it's, it, I guess, it depends on the audience too. Because it, would you would you want a really well composed, professionally shot image of something, or is you know if or just getting you know if you get that like in two days or like immediately you can get a crappy shot off of someone someone's camera phone. You know, you well, want, of course, there, there's that immediacy, and for things like. Uh, it, Okay, so you see the event of the Boston bombing that came up with. There's so many people that were there taking pictures. Obviously, there's tens of thousands of photos that just flooded the Internet immediately, and people saw very quickly what was happening. But if I'm going to pick up the paper the next day, I don't want to see the same uh, hastily shot, grabbed images. I want to see something that's telling more of the story behind it. I want to see some images that are really, really compelling in that morning paper, not the ones that just flooded the Internet the night before. I want to see those same images again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a touchy issue. I mean, and I think it's only going to get worse. Like I said, so we've got you know, iPhones. I would argue are in their infancy now. They're just we're on version five of iPhones, and you know, these other phones and other the Android phones are really really good these days. So all this stuff yeah. is coming along strong, and now we got Google coming on the scene with Google Glass. So in a way, everyone's going to have the ability to capture everything all the time so we're in that world because this is not the Doug this isn't the world of Life Magazine anymore back then this is this right. is the world where everyone if you step out of your house and maybe sometimes when you don't step out of your house like we talked about last week right? Mm -hmm. you are you're being photographed or you're being captured somehow whether it's by TSA or by your friend next door or somebody's flying a drone down your street you know you are being captured somehow and then it's you know maybe even worse in London, you know, as they say, because there's, there's cameras everywhere. So with that, living in that world, when this stuff is going on like that, where do we fit in as photographers? I mean, what, what is the evolutionary path for the photographer in the world that is always on? What do you think? I, I think Joseph is spot on with this because the difference between, first of all, let's, let's get rid of the equipment issue because iPhones, as I say, are adequate we're already past the point where the, the camera is going to make the big difference here for most situations. But I think it's the ability to tell a story to really understand what photojournalism is versus somebody who's primarily looking at writing a story and doing you know pictures or video as an add-on. Um, there are two very different kinds of situations. In the case of a sort of a time-based news event like the Boston bombings or any other tragedy, um, you've got to look at the 10,000 monkey phenomenon. You know, there were, the people used to say if you put 10,000 monkeys in front of typewriters, eventually they'd type out some Shakespearean sonnet. And 
you know, that's crowdsourcing, right? Yeah, but but uh, just just to clarify that, I've heard that too. But that eventually is over. I think they said about sixteen billion years. <laughs> would, yeah, and and, and it would happen. To, you'd have to read through a lot of garbage to find the sun. Exactly. But but the fact is that you know a thousand people on the street have a better chance of getting the shot of an event than a highly trained photographer. So that's not going to be a winnable battle. What's going to be a winnable battle for the commercial? Uh, photojournalist is when they have the time to tell a story and that's when they're dealing with people stories and events that aren't a matter of you know can you shoot 12 frames a second um, in order to, to capture some something happening super super fast you know you look at the images I mean there were these there was a PBS documentary about all the presidential photographers for example and the work that these guys have done over the decades in photographing um, our presidents and people in the White House. You know, no amateur photographer is going to pull that off. No amateur photographer is going to be able to go on a photojournalist assignment like a Joe McNally and come back with amazing images. Sorry, I didn't mean no photojournalist. No, no amateur is going to be able to go and do that like Joe McNally can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that we're looking more at the editorial side of photography as being something that photojournalists will have to go to as opposed to hard news. I think hard news is a losing battle. Yeah, yeah. Joseph, what about differentiation? If you look at this through the lens, you know, no pun intended, of this being an opportunity for photographers to, or to, like, you know, who was it saying? Uh, Julio Sciorio, you know, was on the show a while back, and he wrote this article that we'll link to in the notes for this episode, and it was titled... Um, let me find it here. It was titled, Is Professional Photography as We Know It Dead? And basically, the gist of that story was he was saying that the, yes, he, he said yes, the, the answer to that question is yes, but he, what he meant to say is it's evolving. So photographers need to evolve into something else, capturing different kinds of photography and adding multimedia into it and doing all this other stuff. So my question to you, Joseph, is, Considering that, and if you frame it like that, does this mean that with when everyone can capture adequate, I'm holding up quote fingers, can capture adequate imagery, does that mean that if you differentiate yourself, this is an opportunity for you to become and stand out from the crowd, the sea of mediocrity, because you're doing something that much better than everyone else? Oh, sure. I mean, that's always been the way. Going back to the the type layout example, you know, page maker coming out and everybody's suddenly doing type, if you really knew what you were doing, if you knew something about type, then you really did stand out. It's just a case of whether people are going to be willing to pay for it or not. That's the real challenge. Well, yes, I can stand out as a professional photographer against a sea of DSLR-owning parents who just happen to be able to afford a good camera, uh, but does it mean that they're willing to pay for my services enough that I can make a living doing it? So far, the answer is yes, but you know every photographer knows that that is getting harder and harder, but we're having to f- come up with other ways to make a living. That's why a lot of us are doing education, right? We can teach those parents who are convinced that they uh, can be a good enough photographer. We can teach them how to become a better photographer using the expensive camera that they bought, sometimes even better than the gear that we come in with because they have tons of disposable income. And we can start making our living that way as well, but it can be... It can be hard to do. It can be a bit depressing sometimes. You know, you're you're there to try and create a great image. But part of the advantage of that is I think you've experienced the same thing. You end up people there end up realizing or appreciating just what it does take to be a truly good photographer. And they realize that 
okay, they can get better, but wow, what this person can do who's dedicated their life to it really is worth paying such and such for a portrait session or such and such for you know, whatever it is they're hiring them for. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, the answer to the question, yes, it's, you do have to differentiate yourself. It does give you an opportunity. And like anything else like that, the, the weak will fall away and the strong will survive. It's, it's just a culling process. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. But it, it always hurts when you're in the eye of the storm, right? So, yeah. It reminds Absolutely. me of this, um, this, uh, this article I read once it was about Best Buy. I think it's Best Buy and the whole geek squad that they have over there. And Essentially, it was about the fact that they put instructions on how to do pretty much everything that you'd pay the Geek Squad to do, like hang a flat screen on the wall or run speakers or, you know, do this and that with your computer, whatever. So they put YouTube or video instructions on their site of how to do all this stuff with it, the brilliance of it is people see that and they're like, I don't want to do all that. Let me, <laughs> I'm going to hire a geek to come do that. You know? Right. So maybe that's where this is going. You know, people, they go invest three grand in the latest Nikon, Canon, whatever camera. And then they say, well, yeah, it, it makes a good image, but why does Joseph's shot look, look so much better than mine? I don't understand. I guess I better hire him. Right. Yeah. I like, it's a good approach. I like it. And she shoots some, Simple videos of here's a basic basic uh, portrait session. Here's the lights, the thousands of dollars in lights that are required, and the backdrop and the precision of setting it all up. And go see, that's all it takes. It's easy, right? Yep, exactly. And, or or you can just hire me, and I'll do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, Doug, would you close this off? I'll give you the parting shots on this story. What's uh, what's what's going to happen? You know, to newspapers in the United States. Let's say, put on your crystal ball hat, and uh, you know, fast forward to 20, say, 16, 2017, what, is, what does the landscape look like? I hope I get back from Turkey by then. Uh, <laughs> I, I, first of all, I want to say I, I, I like this topic. I'm really glad to be on the show this week because I think it's one of the most interesting that we've had for a while. Um, and during the course of the discussion, it's caused me to think about it quite a bit. And I, I'll just restate something that I ended up with, which was that I think hard news photography is the most at risk here because of uh, maybe crowdsourcing more than this, you know, give the reporter an iPhone problem. I think there's still going to be opportunities for editorial and documentary photographers, but obviously if they're laying off this many people, they're going to be harder to come by. And what I worry about most are the things that are sort of in between, like, you know, the, the, the written reporter who goes out to cover a story um, to interview someone and, you know, they take the iPhone picture of the person they're interviewing uh, and they come back with something that we wouldn't think was particularly good. That's where I, I think the, the hard part of this is. But I, um, I, I, think, I think the writing's on the wall. I think if we look back on this from 2016, uh, we're going to see that this was just the early part of a trend, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, the whole thing is interesting. I could see... Like putting on my, my entrepreneur hat, I could see that, man, this is an opportunity. Can some company in Chicago start up and it's just a photographer pool? <laughs> they just, you know, this is what they do. And they go out and they just cover the city and they end up with this bank of things that happen in the city over the past day, 24 hours, week or whatever. And then the, the Sun-Times can purchase from them, you know, or something like that. I don't know. There's got to be an angle in here somewhere. I mean, just like, look, uh, we could go on and on, but look what happened to stock photography with microstock. I know, I know. You know, this is just, isn't this the same kind of story? It is. It is. I don't know. It's, it's This is just me in death throes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's, let's uh, jump to this next story I want to talk about. And this is about um, 
uh, let me let me just read this. So this is a this is a band called Hawthorne Heights, which I don't know about because I guess I'm not in that genre. But uh, they've basically, and I I think this is this is brilliant on the marketing side, but kind of sucky on the other side. Um, but they're trying to make money, of course, as everyone is. But they're trying to make money off of fans taking photos. So for 150 bucks, fans can get into the pit and get a shot. So let me just read this. is This is from their ad on the website. It says, are you an aspiring photographer? Come take pictures of us all day at Warp Tour. And uh, we will provide you with the access and experience you need. We will also take your pictures and put them on our Instagram page and give you full credit. This is a great package for anyone who loves taking pictures, whether it's for a hobby or professionally. Now, they've taken this ad down recently, obviously, but but this is what the ad said when it was up. So, Joseph, I want to throw this to you first because you are a concert photographer. You you were you toured the world with Seal and you I mean, you're that guy. What how does this make you feel to see like what if Seal said, you know what, Joseph, you're out of here and um, I'm going to open it up. So people with their with their, you know, whatever DSLRs that they purchase, they can stand right over here and get the shots that you were getting of me and I'm going to charge each each one of them 150 bucks. What what do you, what do you think about that? I say go for it because the spot that they're giving them is basically it's not going to be full stage access. It's just going to be one little area kind of a photo pit area where they can all buy for the same shot. Everybody's going to get the same picture. You know, it's it's if you're a fan of a band and you want to take great pictures of them, then if you're willing to pay an extra 150 bucks to get that spot where you get that close to the band and you get that much better of a show and you get to take pictures like that, then fun, go for it. Why not? The market for band photography is so long gone like it used to be. Uh, you know, people just, just don't, bands just don't take photographers with them anymore. It's very, very rare that they do. And the the tour that I did was really a largely an exception. Very few of them do. Most of them will get images from the journalists. Um, they sign the journalists off to sign agreements. They hand over pictures that they take so that the bands can use them. And I would imagine the same thing's happening here. I would, I'd gone looking for the article or for the ad because I wanted to see what the fine print was to see if the band was demanding full rights to the images because that's often what happens with bands is they demand that um, if you're going to take any pictures there. And, you know, they're, they're still only going to have one little spot, one little pit area where they have access to. A true band photographer has full access and go absolutely anywhere. And yeah, because you were, you you really were up images. in the rafters. You were backstage. You were like, you were like Spider-Man was, around that place, right? I was on stage. I was on stage at times. I had gear set up on stage. I was able to go on stage as long as I wasn't distracting or getting in anybody's way. Uh, I could go basically anywhere that I wanted to. And I, it's funny because there were places where I'd run into security giving me a hard time and I'd have to go get the tour manager to come with me and say, hey, just leave alone. He's allowed to go anywhere. Um, but yeah, that was you know, incredible access and that was really great. And that's why I got great images out of that tour. But if I'd been stuck in the pit, then... Is, that, is this genre of photography, just like we were talking about with photojournalism and newspaper photography, you, you kind of hinted at the fact that it's not what it used to be. Is this going away too? <laughs> you know, the whole band and musician photography thing? To that point, I think it is because the like everybody else, they're just trying to make a living, and it's harder and harder to to make the money. You know, the the, the the bands are mostly making their money on tour. Musicians don't make that much money from record sales, so they need to maximize what they can earn while they're on tour. And obviously, being on tour is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they can make a few extra bucks, that's great. If they can save some money, that's great too. And I think a lot of them just don't see the value in having that great band photography anymore. 
Wow. Doug, Doug, looking at this from the standpoint of money, if, if band photography is gone or concert photography is gone or going, um, photojournalism is, is going, or at least it took a shot, you know, last week. Where is the money in photography? Where, where, you know, you're, you're an aspiring photographer. You're listening to this and you're like, I love photography. I'm an artist. I want to make my living in it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Can that person make a living and, and feed their kids and pay their mortgage by making images? Uh, only if you're willing to shoot weddings. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, you know, we've talked about this. Two people asked me, you know, I want to be a professional photographer. What should I do? And to dissuade them, I talked them into becoming a second shooter for weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, you know, are those the hardest working people in America or what? You know? Yeah, they are. They, uh, are. they, have, to be, they have to be absolutely on their game every single weekend that they shoot. And they have to be creative. No wedding can look the same. And there's zero opportunity for failure. In that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think the photography business is getting rougher and rougher. On the other hand, you know, everybody and his uh, brother-in-law has a high-end DSLR now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's, the industry has changed. Uh, as Joseph said, you know, um, a professional photographer now has to become, well, they have to, you know, follow you, Frederick, to learn how to market their business, but they have to get involved with, all sorts of things. And teaching has become one of the main ones. I've mm-hmm. taken on a couple of students myself now. Um, and I think that, that that's an important, that's how you take a changing industry where it's becoming something for everyone. And see, how, how are you going to make a living doing that? Well, one way is to teach because now there are so many potential students. You know, the workshop business, the one-on-one business has gotten really, really large. Uh, but you have to do that. You have to be willing to do those kinds of things to make a living. Joseph, is that is that the way? Is you know, you and I did a workshop a couple several years ago. We did a workshop down in uh, Joshua Tree, and yeah. uh, is that is, are workshops and that sort of thing? Is that the way to make money in photography? It's a way. You know, is, isn't it Derek who has the saying? It takes a lot of peanuts to feed an elephant. Is that his his expression? Yeah, yeah. It's you know, in this business. I think you need to have a lot of different ways to make an income. Uh, teaching is just one of them. Shooting diversification, is one of them. you mean, right? Yeah, diversification. Uh, all those different things, you need to have all these trickles in there because no one of them is going to make a living for most people. Obviously, there's exceptions. Obviously, there are photographers out there who make a very, very good living just doing photography, but that's not the vast majority, and it certainly isn't what somebody who's breaking into the industry is going to do unless they're a, you know, a Joey L type of a person who's just, just epic in what they do. Most people aren't that good. So, yeah, you need to diversify. You need to have those different things in there. But you got to do it all. I and mean, if you're teaching photography, you better be shooting too. Because if you're teaching and you're not actually shooting professionally, then how long before you're teaching just old stuff that nobody wants to know anymore? It's teaching the same old thing. You got to be out there and keeping yourself fresh. So if you're going to teach, you better be out shooting too. Yeah, yeah. You know, looking at it from a like a, a new person jumping into photography, they're not going to be teaching for a while because they're just Hey, I want to. Um, I just learned how to shoot, and now I want to. You know, you're not gonna say, okay, now I'm gonna throw a class and teach you how to shoot. It's gonna be the blind leading the blind a little bit. So the the people <laughs> that are that just get into photography and they're just like, you know what, this stuff is awesome. I got my camera, I got my Squarespace account going, PayPal's running. I'm in business, you know, but, but now what after that, Joseph, if they're, they're that person, and let's say they don't want to shoot weddings, and you know, they're like, you know what, I don't want to do the wedding thing. 
can they make money commercially? Can they make money doing stock? Can they make money being a you know landscape photographer or wildlife? Is there money in any one of those genres of photography photography that they can sort of tap into? I would say if you don't want to do weddings, then probably one of the easier ways is to do portraits. Just do simple portrait sessions. You know, everybody likes headshots, and if you do a simple, clean portrait session where you're charging a small amount of money, you know, not not huge, not tiny, but charge a reasonable amount of money and deliver a couple of digital images that they can put on their Facebook page or whatever. And if you have a nice, simple setup for it, then you can make you know some money that way, and that'll get your name out a bit. That's one way to do it. Um, you know, what I've been doing locally here just to get ingratiated with the town is to do things like join the local chamber of commerce, join local business organizations, get to know people in town so that when they are looking for a photographer, you're on their mind, whether it's for a birthday party that they're, they're doing, they're throwing something big enough where they want to have a photographer there, or it's, they just need family photos for the holiday Christmas card or new baby photos or whatever it may be. You just got to get out there and get on people's minds and make your living doing a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Well, cool. You guys are depressing me. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I think the way to make money in photography is to start a photography podcast. <laughs> yeah. Get some get from get some advertisers on there. You know. Right. Speaking of that, how's I want to say, how, how much, how, how's that putting food on your table, Frederick? <laughs> well, hey, so, I'm doing okay. I'm do, just saying, I'm doing okay. You watch, know, out, I, watch out for the twip, trolls. Twip keeps me in ramen noodles. That's all there I gotta go. say. You know, exactly. if you if you can get past the salt, you're good. <laughs> and you, can, you can switch. You can switch between beef or chicken. Exactly. Oh, they make beef too. No. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Hey, no, no, it's all good. We actually don't make a whole lot of money on this. This is a, this is, TWIP is a, uh, what do you call it? It it survives on its own potential energy. So it's spinning like the (laughs) earth because it has its own momentum. Um, Speaking of spinning of its own momentum, I want to thank our our next sponsor, and that's Shutterstock.com. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. At Shutterstock, you'll find the perfect image or video for your next creative project, whether it's for your website, a publication, an advertisement, a video, or another type of project. You can choose from over 26 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clip. Now, Shutterstock sources their images from around the world and puts them at your fingertips. And many of the contributors to Shutterstock are professional photographers and artists. And Shutterstock reviews each image individually for content quality before adding it to its library. Shutterstock adds about 10,000 images each and every day. So every time you visit, you're going to find something new to look at. Shutterstock has flexible pricing, so you can choose individual packages or a monthly subscription for the best deal. I mean, you can download 25 images a day with a standard subscription, and you can download any image in any size and pay only one price. Now, Shutterstock gives you the assets you need to bring your creative projects to the next level and They make it easy with sophisticated tools to help you search and drill down by subject, asset type, gender, emotion, color, and more. And a new spectrum, too. You can sort images by color spectrum. Now, many creative teams use that to get inspiration ideas, like they want to design something around the color red. They can search and find images that are in that color family. And they've got an award-winning iPad app. You can search on the go and use it to display your images during presentations and that sort of thing. So they've got uh, their iPad app actually uh, won a Webby Award. So 
It's amazing. Um, I love the iPad app. Just going just to go through the site for inspiration, much like I do with other sites. You can go through Shutterstock and get inspiration, even if you're not buying anything. It's just you know, just use it. Why not? They've got offices located in more than a dozen com- countries: Germany, China, China, Italy, Brazil, Belgium, etc. And uh, they're a true global marketplace for buyers and creative contributors. They've got a multilingual customer service group with dedicated corporate reps and full-time customer support through the week. And even for TWIP, we use Shutterstock. For example, we were looking for an image to use uh, for this blog post or for the blog post that will go with this episode of the show. And I wanted a newspaper photographer. And all I did was go to the Shutterstock.com and type in the word newspaper and photographer. And boom, I got exactly the image I had in my mind, which was an old school photographer, black and white, you know, with the fedora on, holding up an old school camera. And that's what I want. And that's now the hero image for this blog post or for the episode of this or this week's episode of TWIP. Now, if you want to try Shutterstock, you can do so today by signing up for a free account. You don't need a credit card. You can start you can just start an account and begin using Shutterstock to help you sort of visualize and imagine what your next project might look like and save your favorite images to a light box to review later. And then if you decide to purchase, you can use the offer code TWIP6 uh, and new accounts will receive 30% off any package. That's Shutterstock.com and for 30% off new accounts, just use the offer code TWIP6 and we thank Shutterstock for their support of the show. All right, guys, it is time for some listener Q&A. The first question is from Jan Stanley. Jan writes, uh, let me just read this whole question. He says, my wife designs and makes dog clothes. I do photography for the website. Our shoots are inside right now against a white backdrop, but I'd like to do some outdoor shooting in the future. How are, and here we go back to this topic again, how are micro four third cameras for shooting product shots both in studio settings and outdoors for action photos. And his second part is how are micro four thirds cameras for shooting with multiple strobes? Thanks. Uh, Doug, I'm going to throw this to you first because you are about to take a, a small crop frame sensor overseas with you. So clearly you trust them. What do you think about this story? Or this uh, question? Well, I think the, the key is that he says, I'm not going to make any comments about dog clothes. I want to point that out. <laughs> um, but he says, I do hey, don't the hate, don't, you know, don't no, no, judge no, people. No. I, I said, I'm not going to comment. He says, I do the photographer for the website. Well, right there, uh, he's giving us the answer, which is micro four thirds are entirely adequate for images that are going to go on a website. There's just, there's no problem whatsoever. And the second question, how are micro four thirds cameras for shooting with multiple strobes? Again, I don't think the size of the sensor has anything to do with that issue. If he wants multiple strobes that will work just fine. He doesn't, he may not have the Canon or Nikon fancy uh, remote control strobe things, but um, that's fine. You don't really need that. Joseph, what, what do you think? Micro four thirds? Are you, are you shooting micro four thirds at all yet? I know you're, you're, uh, Oh yeah. You are? Yeah. I've got the, um, yeah, which one is it? You know, that one. The Leica M. I know you have the Leica M, right? Right. No, I wish. No, no, no. I thought you had a Leica M for some reason. I don't know. No, I had the Leica S2 medium format on loan for a while. That was okay. pretty interesting. <laughs> no, I've got the interchangeable lens. You talked about it. I thought you bought one. Um, I did. I do. I have the OMD. The, the OMD. Thank you. That's the one. 
That's the one. <laughs> see, I mean, see, Joseph clearly has too much gear. He's like, what's that camera that I have? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yes, the OMD, a Micro Four Thirds interchangeable lens. Beautiful camera. I absolutely love, love that, that thing. It's fantastic. Yeah. I'm looking forward to my first trip where that's the only thing that I take. Um, like when you're about to do, Doug, I'm, I'm envious. Well, I'm envious for many reasons. One, I've never been to Turkey, and it's very, very high on my list. But uh, going with just that small mobile gear, I think, is a fantastic way to go. So I can't wait to hear how it works out for you. But anyway, back to the question. Yeah, that camera is absolutely fine. I've shot in the studio with it before. Um, you know, you'll it doesn't have a sync. Well, at least that camera doesn't have a sync port on it, but that's a like a $10 piece to put a, a hot shoe to sync cord adapter on it. Or if you have wireless triggers, then you can go wireless on it, and it'll sync it, I don't know, two hundredth of a second or something like that. Yep. And, yeah, you can absolutely shoot. You're going to be manual. You're not going to get any kind of TTL action going on. But, it, I mean, I suppose you, maybe you do if you buy their flashes. I don't know if they're yeah, flashes. You do. Yeah, like if, you, if you buy, depending on the, I don't I don't know what camera he has, but on the Olympus one, you can buy, you know, the, it'll it'll do the whole Morse code triggering of the different flashes. And you can think, I think you can okay. set up to, I don't know, a bunch of them. Yeah, I don't know if you can do the okay. McNally thing with 100 Nikon strobes <laughs> around, but you could do something right. creative with them. Right, but as far as just triggering lights, then, yeah, I mean, at that point, it's just a camera triggering lights. So it doesn't matter what's in your hand and what's on the light stands as long as you can trigger them. So a sync cord or a simple wireless trigger will do it, and you're just going to be shooting manual. But, yeah, I've, I've used it to do... Uh, multiple light shoes. I put the Profoto lights and the little uh, OMD camera. Yeah, it works great. Wow, cool. Yeah, I want to see those shots. Actually, that's uh, that's cool. I you, did, you did a, you did a multiple testing it. A multiple light it was, studio shoot with the OMD. Yeah, it was just a, a test, just to make sure that it actually would work and I could trigger the lights the way I expected to. So that's why I, I can say with confidence that it does work. Very cool. All right, I want to check that out. What's interesting if you're working with the um, the Fuji X100, you can sync that at like two thousandths of a second or something. Wow. It's pretty awesome. Sync, flash sync. It's awesome. You got to love this world. You got to love it. Cool. All right, guys, let's uh, run out of time here. Let's jump into the picks of the week real quick. Um, Doug, what is your pick of the week? I've never picked something of my own before, so I'm going to take advantage of this. Uh, I created some Photoshop actions that will allow you to create masks for the quarter tone and the three-quarter tone portions of your image. And I'm giving those away for free along with a short video tutorial that I made about how to use them. So uh, if you've ever heard the phrase quarter tone or three-quarter tone, if you think you know what that means and you want to manipulate the parts of your image that are in those tonal ranges, then uh, take a look at the link in the show notes and go download my free Photoshop actions. Very cool. Thanks for doing that, man. I love mm-hmm. that. All right. Cool. And that's your, that's at your blog, Blogarithms, right? blogarhythms.com yeah all right cool cool and we'll definitely link to that from the from the notes all right mm-hmm. joseph what's your pick so you remember the last time i was on i picked aluminum foil mhm tin foil all about yeah. making it back yeah and i actually got some emails about that people uh, trying it out and really enjoying it so that's that's really cool awesome. um, i want to i want to so interrupt for is, a second i want to say one thing yeah. i i saw those images they are great i oh, re- i really like those tin foil backgrounds thanks Thank you. Thanks. Sorry. It was really fun. It was, uh, it was obviously very easy and very cheap to set up. So, you know, anybody can do it. It was uh, it made for a cool backdrop. Nice. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, so this time along the same lines of looking for backdrops, you can tell where my mind's at these days, and that is fabric stores. You know, you can spend a lot of money on quote-unquote professional photography backdrops, and they come in bags and you hang them up, big muslins and all that. But chances are you don't need something that's 10 feet wide. 
And if you go into fabric stores, you'll have fabrics that range from like 40-odd inches to 60-something inches wide on bolts, on rolls, that you can just get whatever length that you need. And it may not work if you're doing a you know, big grip shot and you need a big, huge, white seamless type of a thing. But if you're doing headshots and you just want interesting backgrounds that aren't going to cost you an arm and a leg, you can find fabric for, I'm sure you can find it for a buck or two a yard for some things and up to obviously a lot more than that if you're going to get into some fancy materials. But there's always new stuff coming through. And I was just in a fabric store the other day and I'd never done that sort of, I never shopped for fabric before, so I didn't really know how this worked. And they were explaining to me in there that, you know, different sizes, different widths, whatever. But one of the key things is that they get new stuff all the time that they'll never see again. So if you want to build a collection of really interesting and unique backdrops, hit a fabric store every once in a while and see what interests you. And especially look for the stuff that they say is one off. They're not going to have again. And you might end up with something totally unique that nobody else has. Now, how are, how are you suspending those, Joseph? Um, actually, I, <laughs> that's a good question. I just came back from, I just mounted a whole system up today. Uh, you know, you can spend, again, a lot of money on a, a, photo, roll back, a photo backdrop roller system. And those are great, right? If you're going to hang a couple of seamless rolls, you have a whole thing with a little chain system, you roll it down, and those are awesome. But they're, you know, they're a couple hundred bucks or something. But what I did, because I just needed essentially a curtain roll, rod so i bought i was at the hardware store today and i bought a a curtain rod holder that has two uh loops in it two holes in it so you can hang a double curtain Mm -hmm. and then i did that just so that i could have two things hanging at once so i had to take them down and then i found some type of pole i want to say it's called emp or something like that just some really generic cheap pole that was like two bucks a foot and cut two seven foot pieces of that and hung those from these curtain rods. So it's just up against the wall. The curtain rods are mounted on the wall, and these two poles are on it, and one of them has a short roll white seamless on it, and that's in the back. And then the other one is so that I can just clip with, they have, you know, studio clamps, clip on the material and just hang it down. And that's all there is to it. That's you cool. Use, you know, use a ladder to hook it up to set it up, and there you are. That's cool. Now you can just come up with a concept for a shot or whatever and, and stop by the fabric store, grab some fabric, clamp it up there, and go to town, right? Exactly. And, like, you know, this isn't going to happen in everywhere you go, but my small town here, it's, you know, small town, small businesses, the fabric store owner said, well, if you know, if you want to try something out, just you can come in and take a few bolts home with you or take them to your studio and try them out and cut off what you need and bring it back and tell them what you cut off and I'll charge you for that. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. See, now, that's obviously small town. Kind that of doesn't stuff, happen but... in the big city, only in Mayberry, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and but when, you have, it's, when you have leftovers, you can make pillows. There you go. There you go. But it can be quite cool, and then you can – what I was thinking of the way I'm, I'm rigging this up is that let's just say I've got a dozen different pieces of fabric that are hanging. They can all be clipped and hanging at once, and I don't have to hang and pull down each one. Just kind of fold back the ones that I don't need, roll them up or, or fold them over the top of the ceiling or whatever, however your setup is, but just pull it out of the way and just leave the one hanging that you need. Wow. And so just how much does it – like how much fabric would you need to do like a – so you're doing like a head and shoulder shot, right? So how much would that cost? I would get two yards, even though that's going to be more than you need, just so that you, you last thing you want is to take a step back and go, oh, wait, I ran out of backdrop. So I'd get a couple of yards, and you know you could go three if you wanted to do full body, but you may not have the width to do full body. This is really more about head and shoulder type portraits. So two yards is plenty. So uh, the one that I, I was, the one that I saw that I really liked for a shoot that I've got coming up, I think it was eight dollars a yard. So there's sixteen bucks for my backdrop. Um, but there are some that are way cheaper than that and way more expensive. It just depends on what you're getting. That's great. That's great. Cool. Love it. See a cheap tip. Look at that. Yeah. I tell you, you know, you, if you walked into a fabric store armed with a hundred bucks, you could come out with 
probably a dozen backdrops that would you know keep you happy for a long time. You could come up with a whole portfolio, right? Yeah, just you know, don't do it that way. Just go in every once in a while, look for stuff that's uh, that's on sale or stuff that's unique or stuff that they're almost out of, and you know, get something different. And just pick up a new one every once in a while. Why not? That's really cool. All right. Well, thanks for that, Joseph. That's perfect. All right. Uh, my I got two on my my picks of the week. The first one is a couple days ago. I think the day before yesterday, as we record this. Uh, the the guys over at iFi released the iFi Mobi Wi-Fi SD card, and um, basic. And I did an interview actually yesterday with Ziv Galat. He's the co-founder, one of the co-founders of iFi, and I'll we'll link to that interview. It's on it's a it's on YouTube right now. We'll link to that, and he was basically going through why the Mo, the Mobi is different than the the previous iFi cards. And essentially, in a nutshell, it removes the necessity to use a computer to set up the card, and it allows direct from camera to iOS device or Android device shooting. So, and I I set it up last night. I was sitting in front of the TV. I plugged the card in. I downloaded the app to my iPad. Ran it, um, punched in the little serial number that comes on the back of the card into my iPad, and I was tethered just just like that. I was shooting directly to my camera roll, so it it works as advertised. It's pretty pretty cool. So that's out now. So definitely check that out. I think this uh, it's eighty bucks. I want to say for the uh, for the eight gig version of it, or I'm not sure. Yeah, but you guys have to check. We'll put the prices in the notes for this. But I got one, I got one free because he brought one to me to demo and I have to give it back but it's uh it's cool all right uh the other thing is we cranked up our this week in photo meetup group again and we've going like gangbusters we've got a ton of meetups happening in there right now so please if you're in the bay area join the group and check it out we're doing photo contests we're doing tonight as we record this there's a meetup going on they're doing one on let me go to the page here it is called uh, let's play with smoke. So they're doing artistic photography with smoke wisps on like black backgrounds and all this kind of cool stuff. So it's like a hands-on kind of meetup group. So if you're into that kind of stuff and you like meeting other photographers, come on over and join our group for sure. And on the 28th of this month, Julio Sciorio, he's a Miami-based photographer. Panasonic is flying him into our meetup group to do a workshop on creating motion portraiture with the Panasonic GH3. So he's going to come in, he's going to shoot directly to the big screen. We're going to have models there and he's going to basically train you how to do this multimedia photography that we've been talking about throughout the whole show. So if you're in the Bay Area and you got nothing to do, you know, on uh, on the 28th, definitely swing over to our meetup page and sign up RSVP for this event and there'll be a ton more coming up, so make sure you join the group. And uh, I'm going to try to twist Doug K's arm, see if I can't get him to come down after he gets out of that Turkish prison to uh, to come hang out with us. Right, Doug? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> I was exactly going to say that. I swear <laughs> I was. If I'm out of the Turkish prison by then. <laughs> exactly. You may have a long beard and, you know, a little worse for the wear, but, you know, he'll come in. All right, guys. All right. Um, that's it for this this episode of TWIP. You know, for if you want to hang around, we've got an interview for you at the end of the show. I had, I had a chance a couple of weeks ago to sit down with Baltimore-based J.M. Giordano. He's a he's like a, a renaissance photographer. He's got all kinds of per, personal and professional projects going. And we talked about just sort of his flow as a real working photographer. This is all he does. He makes all of his money with photography. 
And and he's Joseph, he's like what you were saying. He's, you know, diversified, doing a bunch of things, but he's doing well. And he's got an amazing body of work. Great guy to talk to. And, um, you know, he was generous enough to let me bend his ear for, you know, 20 minutes or so. And we did a great interview. So definitely check it out. Give it a listen um, at the end of the show. But right now, Doug, where can people go to keep up with you while you are not incarcerated? Well, I'm actually going to try and I'm going to try and tweet from uh, Turkey so you can follow Doug K on Twitter. And uh, I'll probably only tweet when I can get to Wi-Fi because I won't have a, a mobile device, you know, that's a, a cell phone. But uh, or follow me on Google Plus or DougK.com. Excellent. All right. And be careful out there, by the way. Thank you. All right. Joseph Linaski, what about you? Where can people go to keep up with you? Photojoseph.com for Photography World and ApertureExpert.com for all things Aperture. Excellent. So, speaking of aperture, Joseph, before we before we end the show, <laughs> yeah, I thought I was going to get off the show without this. <laughs> you thought you were going to? You thought I was going to let you go? So, where for the for the aperture user out there? I'm saying singular. No, but for the aperture users wow. out there, the aperture users out there. Um, so, two quick questions for you. One, Adobe's move to make people subscribe. Do you think Apple's going to, you know, capitalize on that and and actually see an uptick in people using Aperture? And two, when is the dang next version of Aperture coming out? <laughs> well, if I knew the answer to number two, I'd, I'd be lining my pockets right now. Wait a minute, aren't no. you? What's, what's the name of the site that you run? I don't. It's called Aperture. What? <laughs> Aperture Expert, not Aperture Clairvoyant. That's another website. <laughs> uh, goodness. Um, well, as far as uh, well, obviously, as far as after next version comes out, I know absolutely as much as you do. Unfortunately, um, yeah, I know. Which, uh, yeah. So you know, WWDC is next week. Who knows? Fingers crossed. There I'll is. be uh, I'll be watching. Actually, are they doing a live broadcast of the uh, of the keynote? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't heard anything. So whatever, I'll be following the blogs and keeping up on that. So hopefully there'll be a live broadcast, and and uh, we'll see if there is anything there. Although I, I kind of don't expect there to be anything software-wise there, at least not for Aperture, but who knows. Um, and as far as capitalizing on it, well, you know, App, uh, Apple's not going to go out and say anything like, hey, all you dissatisfied Adobe people, come here. Apple doesn't do that, but I'm sure that there will be some fallout. I'm sure that some people will come over to it, especially if they if Adobe ends up putting Lightroom as part of it as the only way to get it. It's on the subscription. I know a lot of people aren't too happy with that model. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it'll, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll gain some people from it. Well, as long as, you, whenever you come on the show, just be prepared. I'm going to ask you that every single time you come, you know, it'll be 2015. <laughs> I'll be like, Joseph, when's, when's the Aperture going? <laughs> is it still, you know, is it still limping along? Um, all right, guys. Well, thanks both of you for coming on. This is a great show. Very, very eye-opening. And uh, listeners, if you want to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com. You can join our community on Google+. You can join our meetup group, which we'll have a link to that in the notes for this episode. And finally, if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at my site at frederickvan.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. Okay, I'm here with J.M. Giordano. He's a photographer that's based in Baltimore, Maryland, over on the 
right coast there. He's uh, he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. You got to check out his blog. One of the things that we're going to be talking about is a project that he's working on. Biggie, what up? We're, we're going to talk about Killer Angels. So first of all, welcome to the show, man. It's a uh, it's a pleasure Thank to you. have you on. It's an honor to be here. No, no, the honor is all ours. I, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about this this project that you worked on. I mean, you have a number of things going on. Some of them you can't even talk about. So first of all, who is JM? Who are you? He's a fabrication, actually. <laughs> uh, he's a name that I made up to keep the IRS off Fred Smith's back. No, nice. I'm kidding. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a Baltimore-based photographer. I, I shoot a lot of editorial work. Mm-hmm. Um, I've shot for ID Magazine in the UK, cool. uh, the, the, the fashion mag there. Um, I shoot for an alternative weekly here. Uh, I have some advertising clients, things like that. Yep. Um, I... I don't shoot micro four-thirds. You don't? Not yet, huh? I snuck it in. I snuck, it in. <laughs> yeah. I snuck that in there. <laughs> I know. We were talking about that before we started the show, that uh, you are such a uh, – you are so infatuated with gear. You just like – you know. You, oh, I'm, I'm a foamy. You're a filmy? A foamy. What's a foamy? What? It's your own show, Frederick. A the foamy. people that put their a foamy. You remember they put their lenses in the in the. I don't know. You talk oh to a guy. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> who said he calls them foamies? And I've been using that term. You should make a T-shirt that just says "I'm a foamy." That could, that could go over badly depending on the neighborhood you're walking around. This is true. This is true. <laughs> no, this is good. Okay, so let's speak of the gear, right? So. Before we kick it off, I want to get into your background a little bit. But what are you, what are you shooting with these days? What's your what's your gear of choice? Um, I, I shoot with a D seven thousand. Uh, use all prime lenses, uh, fourteen, a sixteen, a twenty eight, thirty five, and a fifty. Nice. So I miss a lot of decisive moments. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> you're always switching lenses. Because I'm switching lenses. Uh, but I like it. I mean, the 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 fourteen is actually a, a Tamron lens, which is really hard to find now. It's the two point eight Tamron. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really like it. I do a lot of um, – my stuff's a little edgier. I, I, I've kind of mastered my pop flash to where it doesn't look like a flash, and I use it at the wide angle, and it works pretty well. Yeah. There's a lot of examples on my, on my website. Um, and my, and my the, backup wait, the body, website is where, by the way? Oh, is a JM Giordano Photography. It's Got G-I-O-R-D-A-N-O it. Photography. Just, just, Google, just Google Mediocre Baltimore. Comes right up. <laughs> um, there you go. Yeah, um, and my backup body is my D200, which I was in New York uh, yesterday shooting a hip hop star. She uh, and I found that I'm starting. To, I'm like I'm liking the quality of my D200 better than the D7000. <laughs> it's so strange because I'm a I'm a huge fan of the. That's my favorite camera. The D200, the, the 7000, the 7000 of all time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I bought it because you know it was a panic. Gotta shoot video. They're gonna ask for video. Right, 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 right. So far, no one's asked me for video. <laughs> yeah, and by the time yeah. they do, you'll be on to the next body, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no, no. It's just like once every. I'm, it, my, it's like Brigadoon with me. Like once every ten years, I'll buy a new body. I love that. I'm, See, yeah. yeah. Why? Because light hasn't changed all that much, right? <laughs> exactly. And and I, I I think that megapixels are a bunch of. Nice. Um, yeah. I, 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 Thank I, you I, for self editing. I love that. Thank yeah. You. No problem. No problem at all. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, as a matter of fact, with my D200, I shot uh, this project for a local art, well, an art fair. They were 12 foot by 5 feet nudes that I hung from buildings. Mm-hmm. And I shot it with my D200, and they looked great. I think megapixels are just, it's a con. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get you, you remember, like, the whole transition from film to digital, and it was, 
You remember it was first it was uh, the overall transition, then it was JPEG versus RAW, and uh, you know, and then then, we, then RAW. Now it's it's you got to have more megapixels. Now it's Micro Four Thirds and APS-C. Right. There's always something, you know. There's right. always that's why it's refreshing to talk to somebody that's like, you know what, I, I switch cameras, you know. Every when I buy a new house, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, really. I mean, the, the, the reason I bought the, the seven thousand was just because of the ten eighty video. I mean, I was happy with my two hundred. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at just some of the portraits that I shot of uh, her name is Tekla. She's a, a African American hip hop artist in Brooklyn, and I was looking at some of those shots. Same exposure, same ASA, same settings. And, and the D two hundred just it just looked it just looked better. I can't really describe it, but I'm, I might put some on my Facebook page, some side by sides. Yeah, yeah, I would love to see. see that. Yeah, yeah, it huh. was it was good. I mean, my, my the only the only non Nikon I ha- lens I have is that is that uh, the fourteen. All the rest of them are, are Nikon D lenses. So yeah, yeah, I think they're D lenses. I don't even know. I just put them on there, man. I don't even know. So Take let's talk about what so what you're shooting. So that you you were shot you shooting the the hip hop artist. You did this this. Sort of story, the Killer Angels. Take first of all, take me through the the, the Killer Angels thing. Like, what was that about? Okay. Well, that that came around in a very interesting, very interesting way. Um, the the alternative weekly uh, newspaper I shoot for here in Baltimore, the City Paper. Um, okay, sorry, let me back up. So, Maryland, Baltimore has the largest death festival in the country, I believe. It's called Maryland Death Fest. Um, and it's what a celebration. Is, what is a death fest now? Is that? Yeah, that's, I'm I'm getting there. That's not like. Day of the Dead in Mexico or anything, right? No, 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 no. It's um, it's about fifty death metal bands, which is a, which is a a genre of dark metal, and they all sing like this. Oh, uh, right, right, yeah. Which is great. I mean, you know, if you like, it's very hard, hard, hard. Not as fast as say thrash metal, but hard. Anyway, yeah. I can go on that. That's another podcast. And, um, if you, and if you play it backwards, the the Necronomicon will open up and bad things will happen, right? <laughs> Come on. Anyway, yeah, anyway. Come uh, on. You don't tell me you don't know what the Necronomicon is. You haven't seen uh Evil Dead, the movie Evil Dead? Okay. Actually, it goes back further than Evil Dead. It's it's from uh um it's HP Lovecraft. Oh. Well, there so, you go. We'll see. I'm I'm no, too young. I don't, no, I I apologize. I I feel like that per- that uh that psychologist in the first Die Hard movie where the one guy's like, "That's Helsinki, Sweden." He's like, "Finland." Anyway, <laughs> no. <it's- laughs> or or when when is Cinco de Mayo? I don't know, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's next to Quattro de Mayo. Um anyway, so back on back on point. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Uh, so so the Death Metal Festival is every year here in Baltimore and um a bunch of photographers from the alternative paper, city paper. I, I just say alternative because their photography tends to be a little edgier. It's like the village voice of Baltimore. We can get away with more than the mainstream, the daily. Um, we, have, we have an amazing photographer in Baltimore, and I want to throw his name out there. His name's Josh Sisk. Mm-hmm. And he shoots for the Washington Post, shoots for city paper, does incredible live shots, incredible live music shots. There's no way I can, I, you know, I, I could ape him or beat, you know, compete with that. So I was forced to really think differently on how to shoot this festival, like not like Josh, not like any of the photographers. Um, so at the time, I, I was reading uh, the the memoirs of the of Avedon's assistant for in the American West. I think her name's Lauren Wilson. Mm-hmm. And I thought, uh, you know, maybe I'll just take my white background down to. You know, Death Fest, put it up, uh, use available light only, uh, shaded shaded sunlight, 
yep. and see what I get. Um, and the results were, sure. I was pretty happy <laughs> with with what came out. Yep. Um, and so the paper was happy. They ran a slideshow. I have a I have a Tumblr, KillerAngels.tumblr.com. Okay. You can check you can check them all out. Um, so and then I thought, well, you know, I'm going to make this a project. So it just kind of ballooned. I went to Jersey Death Fest. Um, I went to a couple, one in Philly, uh, uh, Decibel Magazine's 100th issue party. Decibel is a metal magazine. Uh, Decibel Magazine's 100th issue party. Went to one in New York. Uh, went to a few more here in Baltimore, right outside of Baltimore, Silver Spring. And it just ballooned to this this portrait project, yeah. you know. So. so then, so then, what's the? Is it is it finished now, or is it? No, 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 no. I'm still. I've got. Uh, it'll be this year's Death Fest. Will be one year. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to go to one in Tennessee, and one big one in upstate New York. Mm. And I, it's not. It's not finished in my gut yet. Like I haven't taken that last photo and been like, all right, I'm done. Now, I, I is, still is is photography your number one source of income? Or, I mean, you're yes. like. A, so you are you are the quintessential <laughs> pro photographer. That's hilarious. <laughs> so yeah. it's my number one source of money that comes in and goes right back out again. Nice. Um, <laughs> right. So then, yeah, so then, you, yeah. as a as a pro, you're the working pro, right? So, you know, the IRS would say you are a pro photographer, deriving all your income from photography. Um, so take me through how you got into this, right? So what do you have formal training in photography? Is are you self taught? Was it just a you know, do you have a mentor? How did that happen? Um, well, it started off. Uh, I, I got a blue ribbon on a Flickr group, and uh, you know, I just went. I just, you know, I went from there. That was, uh, it. That was the that kick was of the it. pants you needed to get yeah, going. Yeah, it was all. It was all I needed, and I, I bothered every photo editor with my, you know, with my frog photos and things. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm just joking, guys. I started. I started with kitten photos. You know, I don't I'm know. kidding. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I mean, I started in high school. I, I went to. Uh, I went to college for grade, what I call grade 13, um, took my photo 101, 102. I've always been fascinated with photo history, so I will say that I'm self-taught in photo history. I'm, I'm pretty good with the, the who's who. I collect, uh, I think I read this in the email, I, I collect uh, monographs. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have quite a nice library of photo monographs, uh, some rare ones. Um, and then um, I was in the military for a brief time, and... Um, I was more like Bill Murray in Stripe, so I'll just leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> I like the I Army. like the brief time. You know, there's there's yeah. people that well, did no, the tour of duty, no, but, uh, and then there's, there's a, a brief time. Yeah. yeah, there's a brief time. <laughs> yeah. But there's a reason I brought that up is I I bought my my first camera in the army. It was an old X700, mm-hmm. which is a great little camera, man. Yeah. Um, it, it's really rugged. I know this because I used to get wasted and slam it against a wall because I hated myself. Um, <laughs> and it worked out every time. And now the camera's gone. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's actually on my bookshelf with my father's camera. I have these ca- uh, a, a little camera collection, much to my wife's chagrin. Um, but yeah, so in, in the military, I was stationed in Korea, and I, I instead of uh, you know doing what some GIs do and get wasted, have have you know party. I pretended it was a big National Geographic assignment, and I just shot all the time. I took I took trips to the mountains. Cool. I, I talked talked to the people. Um, hung out in the village without right gear on, and you know, and things like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, when I came back, I went I, I went back to school briefly, and then I, I moved to I assisted here for a while. Then I moved to the UK. Uh, I got a, a, a film sponsorship from Ilford. To shoot modern druids in the UK, mm-hmm. um, then I had all my stuff nicked. 
Why? I mean, how? In the UK? I don't know. Like, what if, I, if I ever, ever, I mean, obviously I won't, but if I ever catch the thief, I'm going to shake his hand before I pummel it out of him because yeah. I still have no idea to this day how they got my gear. Was it in I mean, a hotel room? Was it in a no, no? It was, was it was it? It, it was at a restaurant in Heathrow Airport. It was a glass partition. It was under my chair. My bag was under my chair. Oh. Got up and it was gone. And I mean, there were I, I didn't sense anybody around me. You feel somebody around you? They were whoever they were. They were good. That is got to be, oh, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I'm traveling, I've got all my gear, I'm a photographer, my stuff's underneath, and I've finished my nice, lovely meal, and I reach to grab it, and there's, wait a minute, did I put it over there? Wait, did I leave it in the car? No, that's that's exactly what happened, and I only had one, uh, I had one 28-millimeter lens that was in my friend's flat, so it's basically walking around like an amputee, putting my, my, you know, it won't, it won't go back on. There's nothing to put it onto. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I took my last 250 bucks and I took a bus to Prague, and I, I didn't shoot. Uh, I lived in Prague for about five years. I didn't shoot there at all. I wrote, oh. um, and then I came back to the states and uh, around just after 9/11, and I, I picked it up again, and I just started from scratch, man. Wow. I shot for uh, a, a local, a little community newspaper for a while, uh, for a few years, and then uh, just had to relearn everything. You know, and then digital came along. You, when you came back and you jumped into it, was was it? Did you jump back into digital, or did you? No, 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 no. This is funny you should mention that because I I shot an assignment for a, a magazine, and I brought my negatives in. This is like in '03 or '04. Something like, yeah, '04. And uh, the art director said, oh, you're the guy who, stu- who still shoots film. I'll never forget that. <laughs> wow. And this is, so, a, this is like, 2003. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this was like, uh, I think I better check into what these kids are into. Yeah. It's digital. Well, it was just kicking off then because I think I, I that's around the time I bought a 10D. I don't know if I, if I got the, the time. Yeah. Right. I've, uh, Minolta, it's, it's so strange. Like Minolta had the X700 was an amazing um, SLR. But they never they, they they never tried to do that. I mean, I used to work at Ridge Camera, mm-hmm. at um, in school, mm-hmm. so I sold those Maxims and all those. Uh, but they they never surpassed that X seven hundred. Even in digital, they never tried to compete with Canon or Nikon. Yeah. I mean, I think now they're they're they're, they're they try. I don't even know anymore. Are they trying to? I don't. Do you, know. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, all right. So back on point. Yeah. yeah so I uh, I just I just started from scratch, man. Yeah. And then um, social media hit. And I just pimp my stuff. Um, I, I tend to – I got a lot of assignments through MySpace and Facebook mm-hmm. by just using my head. If I can give any photographer some advice, anytime you hear your, your city or your community mentioned anywhere in a national publication, think how you can market that elsewhere. In other words, um, my my ID magazine break came because I listened to – uh, a Guardian podcast. Guardian's a newspaper in the UK. Mm-hmm. They have a music podcast. Well, one of the podcasters is a huge fan of the Baltimore music scene. I know a lot of people on the music scene. So I sent her via Facebook. I was like, hey, Rosie. I'm like, listen, I live in Baltimore. I'm a professional photographer. I know these guys. Would the Guardian be interested in doing a story? I, I can shoot from here and send you the images. She wrote back, no, I we don't pay very well, but my, my friend at ID is a music editor. He's looking for a Baltimore story. Mm-hmm. Use your head, people. Use your head. Yeah, I mean, you know, I heard Baltimore on a podcast, and I was like, "How can I capitalize on that?" Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Wow. And then now, so that 
so you've been doing this and sustaining doing this for a while. What's what's the what's the secret to marketing? I mean, is it just online stuff, or is it now that okay, snowball I, through I, word I, of mouth? Yeah, I, I have never, I've never sent an email blast. Yeah. I don't have cards like wow. print cards. Just on um, purpose, or just yeah, I, I you know I, I just I, I I don't think with the way photography is now that they work. I think it's just like. I think it's like telemarketing for photographers. Yeah. You know, it's just my opinion. It might work for some people. I don't think it would work for me. Um, I've gotten. I mean, I've shot for Discovery, Discovery Channel. Mm-hmm. I, I I got them by by contacting them about an idea that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think. I, I do think I I do think differently. So I think that's in my benefit. Not everyone can. I mean, I've had friends that say, "Where do you get these ideas?" Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, that's just the way. I, that's just the way I work. Do you, you know, do I you work teach by or anything like that. Like, like, you know, spread that knowledge that you've accumulated over time. You know, out or just. Well, no, I mean, that, that's that, that's that's what I was saying to you know other photographers that are just starting out. You know, if you're watching ABC News and you see, you know, blah 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 on the music scene in Cincinnati, well, start thinking. You know, how could I? You know, how how could I capitalize on that? You know, I, I use the hell out of Facebook, man. My my Facebook page is all professional. Yeah. With the exception of a big pink penis pinata from a friend of ours' bachelor party, there's no other photos on there that. <laughs> and, you know, that I, I, and that's the reason why people are going to go check out your, your yes. profile. <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, I mean, I, I'm in a luchador mask. Now, m- my point is, is that every news organization, every writer, every intern is on Facebook. Yeah. So if you have a favorite magazine, or you, you know, say you find a writer that you like in a magazine. Well, find that writer on Facebook. Send him a message. Send her a message. Hey, look, I'm based in Cincinnati. I got this music scene. You know, why don't we? Why don't we? Because I mean, look, everybody's freelance now. Very rarely will you find a staff. I was a staff photographer for a magazine. They just folded. Um, it's just kind of gone. Yeah. So stay with me. No, oh, I'm okay. still here. I'm still here. <laughs> okay, you're like, oh yeah. Porn. I got displays oh. all over the place. They're flashing at me. <laughs> Um, no, so okay, so to sum it up, is use your head, yep. use your contacts, um, use Facebook, use Twitter. You know, I mean, really use these things. Don't just send, you know, Texas Monthly magazine. Here's my photos. Hire me. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. Send Texas Monthly. Hey, I've been working on this story about abandoned barns. I'm looking for a writer. Do you guys know of anyone that would be interested in helping me do this? Yeah. You know, you, I mean, find a writer and like latch on, you know, like one of those lamprey fish on a whale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just stick with stick with your writer, man. Yeah. yeah. You know. OK. Now, what about so you, you mentioned uh, on this week in photo, we talk a lot about the multimediographer and how a lot of photographers are doing not only stills are doing video and audio in some cases. Are, have you not moved into that area yet? You're still strictly stills. No, it's funny you should mention that. I just I just signed on with the Ditlo agency, D I T L O dot com. Which, but see, I, I read them on a blog post on a photo editor. I'm sure you've seen that blog before, right? A, a photo editor dot com. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah the, the the Ditlo agency opened up. There was all these criticisms. Uh, the guy, the owner, responded. It's still up. The owner responded back and forth. And I, I just sent him an email. I'm like, hey man, I read I read about you know your agency's new. Um, here's my stuff. I just want to get into the ground floor, take a look at it, and um, you know, worked out. Nice. That's good. congratulations. Wow. Yeah, thanks. But I mean, that that's how you, you have. I mean, in this day and age, man, you have to use everything. You see some photo editor mention a blog post. You know, hit them up. Yeah. 
you so know. What would you what would you call yourself? Would you call yourself an editorial photographer, a commercial photographer? <laughs> I call myself an idiot. Okay, and then <laughs> when you're going to get a job, <laughs> king, Frederick, yeah. I would call myself. No, I'm um, no, I, I mean, I'm I'm a I, I guess I'm commercial. I mean, I'm you know, this yeah. is how I do it. Yeah. Um, I, I do have the benefit of being able to do side projects. Um, I think living in a city like I, I like living in Baltimore because it's like New York in the seventies. Um, <laughs> muggings, muggings, crime, rats, very low rent. This um, is New York 1.0, right? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, I mean, I, I spent. I had my first gallery opening in New York last week. Just to <laughs> drop that out there. Um, nice. That's good. But you I, should I, drop that. You should like slam that out there. That's yeah, congratulations. I, I, you, you sound like my wife. She's like promoted. Thank you. Um, anyway, so I had this. I spent a week there with some friends. We have a lot of friends in Brooklyn, and everyone is so busy in New York making money and and trying to live that you know. The, the words personal pro- – I have a friend that shoots for Getty. He lives in Brooklyn. He has a new baby and his wife. Um, and we went we went for coffee. And uh, I was like, so Matt, you know, Matt, what are you working on? What's your personal work? He goes, <laughs> personal work. That's great. Really? I don't uh, want to ever be that, man. I might as well work in an – you know, I might as well work at a lab or in an office. Not that they're not important. But, I mean, you know, it might as well be a daily grind right. if you're just shooting to live and that's it, you know? Right. Right, you're not you're not you're not shooting your passion. You're you're making lattes, right? Right. right. I mean, and, and after a while, you know, living in New York like that, it, it kind of grinds you down. I just you know, so um, I'm I'm glad I live here. I, I have the benefit of working on personal stuff like Killer Angels, yep. like these other couple of projects that I'm working on. So what's what's next for you? I mean, what's what's the next big thing that you're going to be working on that you'll be able to tell us about? Oh, well, I'm well, I'm working on. Uh, okay, Baltimore has a, a red light district called the Block, hmm. which is like old Times Square. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just started a series. I just put for, them on my for website. For people that haven't been to Times Square, what does that mean? It, it's That's Pete Booth dancers. Yes, yeah. Before for strippers, non yeah. non Giuliani eyed, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it's back when a guy named Guy Fieri was someone that owned a strip club. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I want to take the guy. You hear me? You understand me? You want to you want to talk to the guy? No, I don't want to talk to the guy. Um, anyway, so <laughs> yeah, so I I started with my I'm still on my white background series. Um, I, I think the, the the white background is interesting, but I I'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, so this is called Dancers and Doormen. It's on my site. Uh, I'm shooting the dancers and the doormen of the block, not in their stripper gear. I'm shooting them before they go to work or after they get off shift. Um, so it's not in their, in their street clothes. Yeah, in their street clothes. Okay. In their street clothes. Yeah. Um, it's on my website under Dancers and Doormen. The first I've been doing it for about two weeks now. I want to make it a summer project. Um, and then I'm I've started working on another project. <laughs> uh, I don't have kids. This is what, this is what happens when you don't have kids. You know, I have kids. They're all in boxes and they're all like you know <laughs> files. A lot of kids. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm I've just started shooting. Uh, local Holocaust survivors and their youngest living relatives. Wow, wow, See, um, that's great. So how do how do you come up with these ideas for these projects? And first of all, I mean, a lot of photographers, especially beginning photographers, they start shooting and they start getting competent at the technical behind photography and and somewhat of the art, you know, the composition and all that stuff. And then the next thing, usually that I hear is how do you develop a style? And then how do you, how do you come up with these self projects? So how do you do that? Like how do you are you just laying in the bed and then like, oh, I got to do Holocaust survivors, you know? 
Yeah. <laughs> That's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Good wheat. No, I'm joking. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. I, I look at everything. I look at things, and I, I look at this on websites. I look at this on in magazines. Mm-hmm. How could I do that differently? Yeah. How can I take a subject that's been done? I mean, you know, to beat that horse has all been done before. Mm-hmm. Kind of has. I mean, even the white background. You know, when Avedon was using the white background for his subjects, David Bailey had already done that. Yeah. The, the British fashion photographer of the '60s. Right. There's a whole book called Birth of the Cool. It's his early stuff, and everyone's on a white background. It wasn't a new thing when Avedon was doing it. But what Avedon did was he he was an artist. I mean, he made his subjects interesting. Anybody can take a passport photo, right. which essentially is a person in a white background. But to know how to get a reaction out of them, or to know what to look for, to know when they when something comes across their face, to to you know to hit the hit the button. I mean that that's that's when artistry comes into play, and not just photography. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm an artist. I don't like that term. I'm a photographer. I don't even say fine art. I hate that term. Um, but when I put people on my backgrounds, in, in front of the white backgrounds, it's it's about them. It's about the landscape of the face, not the landscape behind them. Mm-hmm. It's not for everyone. you know. Yeah. I mean, the source has been doing this uh, uh, hip-hop magazine. They've had white background covers for a couple issues, and it's just people on the front. Nothing interesting about that. Mm-hmm. But I think when you take a, a subculture of people or you take – interesting people and really focus on them. I mean, that, 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 that's where it, I don't know. It's, it's a gut thing, man. I just feel it. But then, then, okay. Then talk a little bit about the psychology behind that. So when you're approaching these people to participate in this series, do you, how do you, do you just say, Hey, you know, I'm doing this thing. Can I shoot you? Or does it go deeper? How do you build that relationship? Well, for, for the dancers and doormen, I kind of had a, I kind of had a trump card. Um, after I got out of the military, I, I worked down there. I worked security for about a year. I was a military policeman. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of know how to talk down there. Mm-hmm. But I also brought along a copy of Avedon's The American West. Okay. And, and I showed people. I'm like, look, this, you know. Oh, that's and a it's, good idea. Yeah. You know, okay. And it, it's kind of funny because they're all like, that's you. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not me. <laughs> this is not me. But this is what you will look – you know, this is what I'm, I'm this going This is my inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, even if you're a wedding photographer or you shoot kids, I mean, take – you know, see if you can take some inspiration along and, and show them what you're going for. Yeah. And then it's not so abstract, yep. you know. So they know not, you know, on the on the block project, they know not to smile. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm going for. I want them, right. you know. You I, want, I want the person that walked out of the apartment this morning is going to be a stripper. Mm-hmm. That's the person I want, not the birthday smile. And they see that in those, in those photos, so. What, what would you say is the difference between, say, you know, street photography – you know, and doing more photojournalistic or commercial type stuff that you're doing is there is it the same thing or is it just one's a little bit more structured? How would you how would you categorize it? Well, street photography, street. I mean, everyone's a street photographer now, man. Everybody's a street photographer. Right. And 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 in people's defense, I mean, you know, a lot of professional photographers get down on the amateur. And they say, well, you know, Gary Winogrand is a great street photographer. Gary Winogrand shot tens of thousands of rolls of negatives. Mm-hmm. A monkey will get a great shot out of tens of thousands of rolls of negatives. Right. He didn't go out with like one roll a day and shot it. It was like, ooh. You know, he was shot, shot and shot and shot and shot and shot. 
Um, so I don't consider myself a street photographer. I actually don't take snapshots anymore. I concentrate all my energies on my projects. Nice. Um, I, you know, I don't carry my camera all the time. I got my iPhone. Mm-hmm. You know, if I see something for Instagram that's cool, I might snap it. But, you know, I, I put all my energies into my projects that I work on. So I'm not distracted by, oh, look at that yellow wall. Well, what's going to happen to that yellow wall when I put it online? Nothing. It's going to sit in my Facebook and take up. People might like it. But, you know, then what? Nothing. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I mean, I really, I mean, photography is kind of like a religion for me. So I'm an egghead. Like I'm reading Aperture's book of essays right now. You're not going to find anybody more. I love that. See? Any egghead, you know, minor white, mm, you know, but. Um, <laughs> you like the details. You like the, yeah, the yeah, alchemy I mean, of photography. Yeah, but, but I, I like, I mean, my, you know, my overall goal is to leave a legacy. Like I want my work to be out there. 50, 60 years from now, and taking a snapshot of a yellow wall because I think it looks cool is not going to do it. Right, right. What about post-processing? What do, you, do you take that sort of same sort of minimalist approach with that? Um, yes. I, I used to work in a dark room, so I try not to do anything that I couldn't do in a dark room mm-hmm. in my Photoshop. Um, clean up. No, no compositing or taking out telephone poles if you got them in there? None of that? No. You know what I do with that? I tell them to move an inch to the side nice. when I'm shooting them. <laughs> so you, you edit, you do your post-processing, you pre-process, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. no, that, that's the key, man. I mean, you know, if you shoot fashion photography, you know, having a model shave a little bit is going to save you an hour in friggin' Photoshop. Just, you know, think ahead, people. Think ahead. <laughs> if, if, you know, you're doing a family portrait, yeah, and there's a guy with a street sign, tell the guy, dude, move an inch. Yeah, yeah. So at least it's over his shoulder, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, you shoot like you're shooting film because you couldn't do that with film. Yeah, no, no. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's how I, I mean, I, that's basically, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't, um, I do use, I do use, I, for black and white processing, you, you have to. I mean, I use filters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Killer Angels, um, but I looked at I looked at Avedon's work, like the American West prints, and I I just came up with this formula after hours of trial and error to get the right look. Mm-hmm. Um, I use alien skin sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the silver. I just started using the silver FX. Yeah, that's a great silver. Yeah. yeah, which um, after using that and looking at alien skin, it's like I, I trade that Ford Taurus in for the Lamborghini. I think um, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding, aliens, kid. Yeah, I love you guys. Your color stuff's amazing. Too late. But, um, it's out there. No, I, I um, I, 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 for the black and white stuff, there's a certain formula that I have written down in front of my computer um, that has, you know, desaturate. I mean, I, I really, when I say chemistry, I mean I really experimented with levels, saturation, lightness in the filters themselves. Mm-hmm. So to really get a specific look, I, I just printed. The Killer Angels show is coming up in May 22nd here in Baltimore at a gallery, and the prints are uh, 30 by 40 size prints. Wow. And, I mean, thank you, Alien Skin, because they look great. This is before Silver FX. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that's my post-processing. And in color, um, you know, I mean, I, I might do some contrast work like you could do in a dark room, some saturation, but no no removing Anything like that? If no, I don't. So, is everything in Photoshop? Are you in Lightroom or Aperture for? Nah, man, just Photoshop's fine. Photoshop, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I even use, I even use. Let me put my teeth in. I even use Preview to look at my stuff. Wow. Yeah. See, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I mean, wrong I, with that. Whatever works. I mean, you had gallery yeah, yeah. shows, right? Um, 
No, I, I use Bridge. I have uh, I use Photoshop Five and Bridge. Yeah. Um, I, I I downloaded Aperture and I downloaded Lightroom, and I know there's things, but I, I don't have time for I don't have time for all. Because you're stuff. too busy being a photographer, right? Yeah. I'm too busy reading Aperture essays. <laughs> so if you were gonna leave, if you were gonna leave, um, you know, the Twip audience with a tip, you know, sort of you know, following your footsteps and say, you know, hey, one day I aspire to have a gallery show with 20 by 30 thing, you know, prints of my work hanging on the walls and people walking around sipping wine, you know, complimenting me. How do I do that? Like, what, what are the steps to doing that? Um, Other than having great work, right? I wouldn't know that. So I don't have any great work. <laughs> okay, even uh, better. How do you do it with crappy work then? <laughs> you know? Well, you put it all, all over the place. Yeah. You know? yeah. No, there was, a, there was an artist, uh, a German artist, who uh, and I'll send you a link to this. You can put it on the, on the Twitter page because his name's really escaping, but I can find it in a second. No, no worries. He filled a room with one day of Flickr photos. Have you seen that? No. <laughs> yeah, he he filled it for his art piece. I think he's Belgian. He filled an entire room in a gallery with one day of Flickr photos. And it was something like ten billion photos. You have to see this room. It's amazing. Wow. It's really sobering when you see this, yeah. and you're like, how? I'm a drop of water in that ocean. Yeah. How do I become a splash in that ocean? Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, how, how do I distinguish myself? Yeah, I mean, how you know, Ezra Pound, who's a 20th century writer, he's Hemingway's kind of teacher. Three words: make it new. Innovate. Three words: innovate. Well, I mean, not not even not not even innovate, but I mean, you know, don't you see the yellow wall and you want to take a photo of it? Well, how can you you know? Do you wait for someone to walk by the yellow wall so it looks? You know what I mean? Like just. Make it new. You see that you've walked by that yellow wall a thousand times. Right. Well, you know what? I'm going to come back tomorrow when that red car is parked in front of the yellow wall because I haven't seen that in a photo yet. So I'm going to try that. Um, and read. I, I, I'm a huge reader. I don't have an e-reader. I got books, you kids. Um, <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, but uh, uh, study your photo history. I mean, you, you need to know where you fall in the pantheon of photography. If you're if you're serious, if you're a hobbyist, if you're an amateur, and you're you know shooting your friends, hanging on fences or whatever, that's cool. Yeah, that's your yeah. thing. Yeah. But if if you if you really want to make an impression, you want to do the gallery thing, you know, you you, you want to be an you know uh, an, an artist, then study your photo history. You know, I, I always tell my interns find a photographer, copy them. And then when you start copying them, you'll start to innovate. You know, you'll start to to change because you're not them. So you're not going to take identically what they did, but you're using that as a base. You know, every intern, I, I you know, yeah. I, I tell them that find somebody. So as far as filling in the gaps in your your photographic history education, what books would you recommend people check out? Hustler's good. They got some great photos in there. Old 70s Playboy. There you go. Fro, what up? I heard that. Oh. <laughs> that was a shout out to Fro. Yeah, I do have I do have a lot of 70s. I'm t- he's right, man. 70s Playboys, as far as advertising and fonts and like photo styles go, yeah. it's the best era. Like yeah. it really ended like 1981. It was over. Yeah. But star filters and prism filters and all this. Like I collect 70s um, how-to photo books. Yeah, because because I love I love those filter photos. You know, some blonde woman in a, in a field with the with the orange filter and like right. the prism filter. Yeah, I still I have some of those. Looks, yeah. It just looks awesome. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I would. I mean, I would read John Sarkowski is a good. You know, he has a history of photography. 
that's pretty good. There's a book called The F- uh, Photography is Fine Art, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting. And I mean, there's a lot of BS out there. You know, a guy that takes a picture of a mop in a corner. You know, it, yeah. you know, it, it, you know. Don't be frustrated because some gallery turns you down. You know, um, yeah. but yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I read I, um, the Day Books of Ed Weston. That's a great book to read. What's it called again? Um, Ed, Ed Weston's Day Books, his diaries. Okay, got it. Edward Weston when he went down to Mexico. Um, it, you should, if you love photography, you'll love the Day Books because it's just him getting drunk and partying, messing around, and then like. By oh, you seen the pepper photos? Have you ever seen the pepper photos of Ed Weston? I don't think so. Yeah, they're they're very very famous black and white photos of peppers. I'm making notes here because I'm going to go get this after we finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's great. I mean, it, he he. Anyway, my point was he went to the market and like he went through like a thousand peppers before he found the right ones. That just what he knew what he wanted. Wow. You don't get that kind of craftsmanship anymore. I mean, I would love to shoot film. I would love to shoot Killer Angels, or the Holocaust Project, or the the Dancing Drummond in film. It's just too expensive. You know, it's got nothing to do with aesthetics. It's got nothing to do with, oh, I'm better because I shoot film, digital, blah, blah, blah. That's BS, first of all. The final image is what's important. Right. It doesn't matter how you get there, That's in right. my opinion. Yeah. So, and, and being there to begin with. You know, a lot of photographers get short-circuited with, with just thinking about gear and, like, you know, I can't shoot like JM because I don't have whatever, a D7000, you know. <laughs> Well, I think I think a lot of that is compensation for photographers' insecurity in their own abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been a gear nerd, yeah. you know, um, but I worked at Rich Camera and I saw people take the worst photos, and they would always have the most gear. And the dude that came in to like fix his winder on his, you know, Pentax K one thousand was making incredible images, right? Because all he cared about, or all she cared about, was the photo. Not the fact that they had the new Olympus OM lenses with the bag and the Tamray things and the yep. probe and the, the sling filter. with all the lenses on the belt yeah. and then the I, harness. I, I, I've and never the had hat. a vest. Yeah. Which, sorry, guys. I think it's silly. I've never had a vest. I've never had a, a gray ponytail. No, I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. God, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not yet. It's coming, though. It's coming. No, I can no, see it's, it right uh, just right here. Uh-huh. Up here, it's really good. Uh-huh. Up here, it's looking good. Yeah. It's good. So. It's good. Mine will be like that tomorrow, I think. See. <laughs> <laughs> you need to I'm growing. I'm growing, to, I'm growing it out a little bit. Can you tell? To, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I, I live I live in a city that's predominantly African American, and it's good to see a lot of African American kids wanting to be photographers. Because yeah. um, I was just thinking of photo history, and uh, Roy D. D. Carava and Gordon Parks are fantastic role models for city photography for street. Really good city photography. I mean, I can go, and there's a book called Bystander, by the way, the history of street photography. Ooh, Bystander, history of street photography. That's great. Um, can I get that as an ebook on Kindle? No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> for your fireplace, like Kindle? What do you mean? Yeah, um, exactly. Kindling. Yeah. <laughs> Kindling. Yeah, Kindling. I mean, you can keep it. I mean, I keep books in my nook. I'm just kidding. Anyway. Um, yeah, but Bystander is a good is a good history of photography, and also study painters. Study portrait painters. I'm reading a fantastic biography of the uh, 18th century painter Hogarth right now. And it is so – it's just so amazing reading this and applying it to modern – like he, he he did a thing where he bypassed the galleries and started doing subscriptions. So basically he would tell a, a group of people he was having a new series come out. They would buy into it and then come over and get first dibs on it, You know, which was – I mean – 
it's just something like the early internet, you know, it's like, I'm not going to the gallery. Here's my website. You want to buy in? This is what's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, so, so study some portrait painters because they nail light. You want to study light, study Vermeer, mm-hmm. Rembrandt, Goya, Hogarth. The old, the old is good. masters, right? Yeah. Yeah. A, a Caravaggio. Caravaggio is fantastic. If you want to black background stuff, study Caravaggio, nice. you know, nice. Well, well, if people want to keep up with you, check out your website, find you on Facebook. What's the what's the best place place to connect with you? Um, I, I'm on uh, well, my my website's JM Giordano Photography. It's G I O R D A N O Photography. Um, uh, the Killer Angels Project is on Tumblr, which is let me just click away from you for a second. It is. I'm making faces at you right now. Oh, I, I can still see you. Um, <laughs> it is. Killer killer angels.tumblr.com. Okay. That's the death metal photos. Uh, the Dancers and Doormen project is on my website under Dancers and Doormen. Um, and Facebook is J, capital J, period, little M, period. They won't let me do because somebody else is JM. Uh, period Giordano. That's my Facebook. Okay. So, uh, and I, I friend a lot of people. Um, I, I'm not on Twitter yet. I, I had a. I started an online magazine called Gutter Magazine, guttermagazine.com. That's been my my Twitter, and I have to change that. I got to get my own Twitter feed. Yeah. Uh, JM Giordano Photo is my Instagram. Okay. So, okay. how's that Instagram going for you? Um, well, I dumped it, and then they made me a culpa, and I got back on. Okay. Anyway, um, you made up. You made up with Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I had to with this new agency that I'm with. They pretty much insisted you have an Instagram account. Ah, so. Okay. Uh, you know, so they can they they can watermark your photos and put them elsewhere. Got you it. Know. Well, cool, man. This has been educational. As first, I got a list of books that I have to go download if they're available digitally. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, or you could you know you could buy them. <laughs> buy the paper. Hey, look, I mean, yeah. I, I'm a book fiend. I got books I all over the house. I, I, I see all the all the how tos. Get rid of all that shit. You don't need it. Get rid of it all. Well, you know, it's, I I know most of the people that have written those, so those are more like you know support solidarity. All those floppy hat guys with glasses, get them off your bookshelf. Right? I'm sending Rick I'm, Salmon after you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, Rick Salmon. Yep. I apologize. He'll come get you. All right. Cool, cool, man. All right. Thank you. This yeah. has been awesome, educational, and, you know, I need to do more of these kind of interviews that are just, like, awesome. You know, it's just it's down and dirty to the, you know, we're just talking about photography and getting in the weeds with it. I love this. So, so did I get the job? Uh, my people will call your people. <laughs> you have people, I'm assuming. All right. They're right here. Yeah. They're actually in the other room. I, I told them, get out, of the, get out of the way. Get out of the way. So, I mean, will this be on, I mean, will this be on Twitter? Because I'll promote it. I mean, I'll put it everywhere. I'll buy an airplane that like, Twitter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah, you'll, you'll be on probably either uh, this coming week or the following week. But, oh, yeah, you're yeah. going in. You're going in, and I'll so, let you know before so it goes live. If, so if I had an accent, I could be at the beginning of the show, right? If I was successful with an accent, you know. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I'm going to Korea for a $30,000 project. Uh, there Frederick. you go. Uh-huh. There micro you go. Four Thirds. Uh-huh. If you could do that. If you're shooting Micro Four Thirds and you have a British accent, then, you know, <laughs> sky's they the do, limit. They deal with the food programs. Hello, I'm British. I want a food program. Fine. Oh, you, you, shoot, you want. You're shooting Nikon, and you're an American, so it's boring. Come on. You got to uh-huh. – I know. Get a Leica and get an Australian you're, accent. I wish I could afford a Leica. I wish I, I wish I could afford a Leica. I know, um, me too. Me too. Anyway, yeah. Hey, oh, and by the way, off, off. You can cut this off, but I mean, if you ever wanted to do that, just for the website, like 
I could review a photo book a month if you were ever interested in that. Just type it up. It doesn't be on the podcast, but I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. Well, let's like, let me let me end this. So let's end this yeah. interview. And so we got your we got your URL. So so what? Say your URL one one more time of your website. Okay, it's it's J's and Joe. Mm-hmm. M is in Mario. Uh, mm-hmm. Giordano, G I O R D is in David, A N O, photography.com. Dot com. Cool. All right, man. Thank you. I that number again is jmgiordano.com. <laughs> Act now. That's right. <laughs> For a limited time. Act right now. Okay, man. Thank you. I appreciate All this right. interview. Hey, thanks a lot, Frederick, man. I appreciate it, dude. Okay. Peace. Later.